This podcast is brought to you by Resume Spellchecks because your oh shit, why did I put a typo here? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Just <no>. keep going. <laughs> Uh, speaking of spell checks, <laughs> the irony is never lost when it comes to this segment, as well as listing attention to detail on your resume after a punctuation error. The joke is not as good anymore after I had my own lack of spell checking. <laughs> and with that, I would like to welcome you all back to Unvalidated, where two masters of none and subject matter experts about almost nothing decide to record conversations about anything. Uh, my name is Paul, and as always, I am joined by my better half of the podcast duo, Jimmy. Hello there, Jimothy. How's it going today? Hello. Today is okay. My dog's feet got hurt from a hike, so it was very stressful the last two days. But today I was told that he will live, there and so it is okay now. Yeah, you do have an a unlucky set of dogs when it comes to, like, lower legs Legs specifically if i had gone to like an oracle when i was younger they might have told me that i'm gonna be very unlucky with dog legs (laughs) yeah well remind me not to have my dog callie be at your place anytime soon (laughs) yeah or just like chop off her legs beforehand All right. Well, I mean, for me at least, I don't have COVID anymore. The last episode that we recorded, which was only like last week, I think, Mm -hmm. I still had COVID or I was still testing positive. And as of the last few days, I've been okay. Congratulations. You are now a survivor. I am a survivor. And I was avoiding it for how many years until I finally got it. But it's basically like having a booster shot now for the next three months. Like, I heard that it kind of stays in your system for, like, 90-ish days. Yeah, well, now our podcast is going to be flagged again for COVID information. Oh, that's true. Well, these are all unvalidated information. (laughs) Um, So my plan is I'm going to wait until after the 90th day before I get the booster that's set to, you know, be available relatively soon-ish from what I hear. Right, but I heard this is the last one that the government's going to pay for. So if you don't get it in time, you might have to pay for the next one. Oh, well, I guess it's a check when that is, but yeah. oh well, if it requires me to pay, I probably won't care anymore. That <laughs> <laughs> was only getting it was free and mandatory <laughs> back then. But anyways, before this turns into another COVID or vaccine related episode that some people would probably try to avoid listening to, today we will have something different. It will be, actually no, before we get into that, we will go to the segment, the, uh, what is it called oh, yes. again? I was today years old when I learned. Yes, and I would like to now call it the I-W-T-Y-O-W-I-L segment, (laughs) (laughs) which clearly I I have written down. (laughs) I think Um, that will, I think that'll catch on. I think that's good. (laughs) There's, uh, I'm pretty sure that's the same amount of syllables as saying the whole thing. (laughs) Wait, how do you pronounce it? Like, as a word? Uh, (laughs) T-O-L. It's actually not too bad. It actually, you could probably yeah. create a word from it. Okay. Uh, maybe, maybe for the next episode, I'll have okay. something better. Maybe okay. I'll just change the segment every episode. <laughs> That'll be a, a segment on top of a segment. <laughs> yeah. But basically, for those who missed the last episode or whatever episodes, this will be a segment where we talk about something that we learned mm-hmm. just today, within the last twenty-four hours or whatever, and it could be something interesting or something not interesting, <laughs> or whatever it is, big or small. <laughs> it's just something um, you learned. Anything. So yeah. you can you can start with yours if you want to, Jimmy. 
Okay, so this just happened to be relevant to today's episode because... Oh, spoiler. Yeah, see if you can figure it out. But today I learned that a bank manager in the Philippines makes about 15000 Canadian dollars per year. What is that in Philippine pesos? Like 600,000 pesos. Oh, that's not too surprising. And I guess what to take note of is the cost of living in the Philippines is very different compared to North America. Very, very different. So that may sound like not so much when you're comparing it to an average North American salary. But yeah, it just costs way less to live there. Right. And where did you learn this? From the interwebs. Oh, you just randomly like Google it just no, on a whim? No, because I was working. So I have an offer for this guy that was working with the Bank of the Philippine Islands, BPI. Right. And he's trying to negotiate salary with me. And he like just moved here from Hong Kong. So he was working for BPI in Hong Kong. And so I was trying to search up his salary. Obviously, this is not the position that he's in, but I just typed in like manager BPI and this came up. And I saw it and I was like, oh, wow, that's the information. But I was trying to basically figure out how much he was getting paid because I highly doubt that his offer is anything less than before. So that's why I stumbled upon this. Yeah. What was the figure again? Like 15000 a month, you said? A year. A year. Yeah. Oh, like Canadian, you mean? Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. That is, uh, well, I guess interesting too. Some people probably, but that's the point of the segment. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, okay, well, that sounds more educational than than what I learned today. Uh, <laughs> what did you learn? <laughs> so earlier today, I basically took my dog to our backyard, our pathetic tiny garden backyard area, and there was like this giant spider web that I almost walked into, and it was really nice spider web, and there was like this brown spider in the middle, and I was like, oh. That's a really nice web, and that's a really interesting looking spider. I want to know mm-hmm. what kind this is. And thanks to the power <laughs> of Reddit, anything that you see in the world, you can probably find a like subreddit, like forum page area that you can just like post it on. Right. So of course, the first thing I did was, oh, I wonder if there's a spider subreddit, which obviously there is one. It'd be stupid not to have one, obviously. And then okay. uh, sure. I took a picture of it. <laughs> took a picture of it. And then I said, hey, can someone ID this? And I don't know. It's really just like, I had like no purpose in doing that. I just wanted to kind of know what it is. And then while I was working today, you know, somebody had responded to it. And then I looked into it. It's what they call a European garden spider. If we could post pictures of our stuff on this podcast we would i don't think people would care enough about it (laughs) but all i learned about this was apparently when some of these spiders these um, european garden spiders get what do you call this threatened like by a predator or somebody's like shaking their web or whatever the fuck it may be one of their defensive mechanisms would be to spin around their own web like violently like just keep spinning like a around, 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 like a Beyblade, yeah, yeah, <laughs> or like like one of those like Roadrunner legs spinning around and around and around, and apparently that would confuse like, or that might confuse some predators, right? Which I, you know, as a human being, I probably would have been really confused too if that happened like randomly. Um, right. So the reason why I'm saying this is because a, it's something that I learned, which is not as interesting and relevant to most people. But b, I texted my fiance earlier saying, "Hey, I learned about this new fact." 
because of my research, and I would like to go in the backyard and provoke this spider so I can see it. Do it. Oh my <laughs> <So>. god! <laughs> She's like, "Yeah, good luck. I hope you don't die from it." And that's that's the end of the story. So there we go. That's my uh, interesting. Um, so you didn't um, even do it, or like? Well, no. I mean, I, I just found out about it like you know maybe an hour ago, kind of. Oh my uh, god! Wasted three minutes of this podcast. To I not did. even have a conclusion. Well, I mean, like, the next episode could be a video of this, uh, this <laughs> fighter doing some, like, violent shit. No, it's uh, on our OnlyFans. <laughs> oh, yeah, the OnlyFans. So yeah. there's, there's the, oh, the, I mean, a less interesting fact, I should have led with this before, the, uh, the most interesting fact is that every night they would eat their web and then they would like, trade a new one in the morning. So anyways, what do we have in store for the listeners today, Jimmy? Okay, this is a very special episode for us because... Most of the time, we don't know what we're talking about. But today, we're going to be talking about recruitment. And we both do know a lot of things about recruitment because we're yeah. both recruiters. Yeah. Or, you know, we could pretend to know what we're doing because we are paid to do this line of work. But, you know, it doesn't mean we're necessarily like experts of the field and, and, and all that. But yeah, I mean, there's so are... many variables. Oh, yeah. But I, I guess. All things considered, we are a bit more of a subject matter expert than, you know, compared to talking about... Like Betty. Betty who? I don't know. Just, I'm sure there's a Betty out there that doesn't Oh, as okay. Much. Just a random Betty. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yes. So, unless there is, you know, a head of recruitment named Betty somewhere who's head... Well, no, obviously not that Betty. Like another okay. Betty. Oh, okay. So, Betty's like twin... Nanny sister, Betty. I don't know. Did you say nanny not, sister? <laughs> I, I, I tried to improv, but my mind went to two different places at the same time. Anyway, okay. I was like, why would the twins both be named Betty? That's what my brain was thinking about in that split second that I was trying to make a joke. But it's not going to be so much on recruitment, like in terms of like what we do for a living. It's more so mm. about resumes and interviews stuff that like other people who are not in the recruitment field or just anybody in general would yeah. may find like interesting um mm-hmm. as much as we would love to talk about what we do on, on a daily basis i think it's more relevant for people to learn about what maybe what to do on resumes yeah. and interviews and i should mention that we're kind of in a unique position because i'm still an agency recruiter and paul has now been a internal recruiter for two years now three years no no oh, really no. i've been gone for a long time <laughs> no no <laughs> it has seemed that way huh about like a year and a half i'd say but that's true i mean i guess for those who don't really know jimmy and i's backgrounds too well i used to work with jimmy i referred jimmy into our old agency so that's a recruitment agency it's an it staffing company if if you will and i guess the main difference between that and what i do right now is that we were basically headhunters almost agency recruiters would try to fill roles for clients so we don't just work with one client for the most part nor would we recruit for our own company most of the time it would mostly be recruiting for a client who has trouble filling a role or stuff like that so right now i'm an internal recruiter which is you know recruiting um, for one company internally as more of a talent acquisition kind of space as opposed to you know, commission-based agency recruiter like Jimmy right now. So I, I guess that's the extent that we'll talk about like what we do for our work. Like I said, the actual focus would be more on resumes. Like what mm-hmm. would we like to see? What would kind of be considered pet peeves of ours? And I guess between me and Jimmy, I think we have, what, close to 10 years of experience now, I guess, combined. Yeah. That's not 
so much compared to other folks in the field. But, you know, when you say combined 10 years, it's not so bad. Individually, not as impressive, but together we are, we are stronger. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so we will start off with resumes, like do's and don'ts. So stuff that we would like to see, stuff that we would advise you maybe to not do, like red flags, yellow flags, whatever it may mm -hmm. be. I do want to point out that this is going to be one of our more PC or professional episodes. So I don't know. Should, should I do a disclaimer? I guess we haven't really talked about our, our company, so it doesn't really matter. But, but we should still do disclaimer that everything we talk about is like our own experience and our own opinion, and that it's yeah. not reflective of the companies that we work for. Yeah, unless it's something that you think is super wholesome and amazing and oh, like, oh my god, that's amazing. I really want to associate that with the company, then by all means. But if it's yeah. the bad stuff, like bad advice or something that is not PC, then yeah, that's that's only Jimmy's opinion, not not, not anyone else's. Just just Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> Even if I said it, it's Jimmy's, but whatever. Let's go ahead and pretend that we are TED Talkers for today's episode and pretend that we know what we're doing. So resumes. Jimmy, Jimmy and I had done a little bit of prep before this, hopefully. I mean, I say that, but then when I tell Jimmy to do some prep, he usually does it like three seconds before the episode starts, but it still works out. But Jimmy, do you want to start off with a resume, do or don't? So I guess the main thing that I have about resumes is that I feel like it's very important for people to customize their resumes. Like, of course, if you are to apply to the same position or similar position, you might be able to reuse things. But even within the same position, that you might be working on very different projects that require different skill sets. Mm -hmm. So if you have those skill sets and you don't customize it or you don't you know, have it in there, then you're really at a disadvantage. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. That's, that's something that's obviously everybody should be doing. I mean, you don't have to, to be honest. I mean, at the end of the day, if you have a really good general resume, by all means. But, you know, I guess speaking from personal experience, because I'm, I'm the one who, I guess, who had applied for roles more recently than you have, at least mm -hmm. actively. Previous to this, like, I didn't normally tailor my resumes. But after, you know, being a recruiter for a longer period of time, I realized that it is a good idea to do so, especially for roles that you really, really, really want. And mm -hmm. especially for roles that, I guess, more importantly, have specific requirements or stuff that they mention on their job description or on their website that you might have done. Like, mm -hmm. like, I guess the best example I have in landing my current position is in my previous role, I had been a part of a DNI initiative, which is for diversity, equity, and inclusion. So basically just helping with diversity and inclusion when it comes to, you know, looking for candidates or retaining current employees and stuff like that. So I was one of the people who kind of spearheaded that, especially from a recruitment standpoint. I originally put that in my resume just like as a bullet point, but didn't really talk too much about that. But when I saw in the last job description, which is for my current company that I ended up you know, getting a job for, it had mentioned stuff about diversity and inclusion in terms of like, oh, they'd prefer somebody who, who's had that, right? So I ended up going back to my resume and really highlighting that and adding a lot of what I actually did, like specifically, like the the deliverables, the project that I did and the people that I worked with. So that actually ended up working out in my favor because that was brought up in one of my interviews for my company. So I was able to elaborate on that further. And I guess it's also important to point out that, you know, when doing all this, it goes without saying that you should probably refrain from embellishing too much. Obviously, like if you've done this kind of work and you're being honest about it, by all means, 
elaborate on it, but you know, try not to put stuff that you had very little involvement in because if you get called out on that, you might get something that has the opposite effect, like you know, mm-hmm. it backfiring, right? So yeah, yeah, that's a pretty good one. So I guess I, I can go for one of mine, and I guess Jimmy can also think about other stuff about resumes. Since uh, I have some stuff, I just didn't know okay. we we're focused on resumes. Fair enough. I guess I mean to be fair, in Jimmy's defense, when I had texted Jimmy about this episode idea, this was literally less than twenty-four hours ago before re- recording this episode. I was like, "Hey, I have an idea for for an episode." I came up with it while I was showering, and do you want to record tomorrow? And that's basically what happened. So I didn't really give too much details, and which is also why Jimmy thought that we're, we're going to be talking about like maybe recruitment, perhaps, or not specifically about resumes. So, all right, I'll give you I'll give you some benefits of the doubt because of that. But for resumes, for me, one thing that I will point out is I would always generally like to see the months and years on resumes and i know that this sounds good. that is literally my second resume point there we go so yeah. to be honest you know i see you know lots of resumes on a, on a daily and a weekly basis but it's pretty uncommon for me to see just years right however i will say that i would sometimes see people on linkedin or resumes having very short stints like for example mm-hmm. somebody you know, didn't stay for more than a year or like maybe even like less than six months, for example. And because of that, they would prefer to just put a year, like leave it ambiguous. That's worse though. That's the thing. That's my point too. Like, I feel like if you do that, you either have to do it for all your roles to make it look less sus. No, but it's still sus because I would still ask for them anyways. That's very true. So like save yourself the trouble. There's no point. Yeah. There's actually no point in hiding a month at all. I'd say I, I agree with that for sure. At the end of the day, like if you've had maybe you know a three month stint and you're not particularly proud of that, whether it be something that was your fault or something out of your control, at the end of the day, like putting the year is not gonna you know have people refrain from asking about it, right? Or like mm-hmm. think that it's any better. I think the better advice would be be prepared to be asked why you had that short stint because we have you know a lot of clients and companies out there may question that because, you know, a short stance may equate to a flight risk and just be prepared to be to be asked that. Like, hey, why did you only have a three-month stint? Obviously, try to be as honest as you can. If you got fired, then, uh, you know, try to think of a good way to spin it without being dishonest about it, right? At the end of the day, just it's better to be prepared as opposed to putting years on your resume because most of the time, especially agency recruiters more than anything, like they will request for an updated resume, for example, with, that will include the months, right? I think the only times where I've, I've been a little bit more lenient about that is if I see somebody who's been doing like say for example a project manager who's been in in the industry for 30 years and then he's not putting years for the first like you know five ten years fine me i'm not gonna go back he forgot exactly yeah so like that that's probably the one of the only few times i would not like you know, take a second look about that. But for the most part, always just have it. I mean, you usually have that information readily available anyways. Or mm-hmm. if you if you don't, then you should. So that's my entry, my first one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's good. So I don't know if this is like a do not do this or like a pet peeve of mine. Mm-hmm. might be a bit of both. But I hate it when people write things like strong leadership skills or like great team player on their resume. Yeah, you usually see that for people who haven't had much experience. And, you know, I remember seeing my very first resume without 
you know, having any substantial work on there. And I was like looking at it, like, how do I fill this up? It just looks pathetic. <laughs> but I, I do agree. Oh, okay, so my there. logic is that like they're going to be looking for all these things anyways through the interview process, right? Yeah. Like nobody's mm-hmm. reading the resume being like, oh, strong leadership, then I guess I will interview this person. You know, like if they're looking for leadership, they're going to try to figure out themselves. They're, they're not going to be like, oh, you have it in resume, therefore I'm going to interview you. Yeah. Um, or- what's actually more useful is to put bullet points of leading a team of mm-hmm. how many people or whatever, because like just saying it as like a intro or whatever is is really just a waste of words, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I was about to say something and you said the same thing I was I was about to say, which is basically instead of putting that as part of your resume, find a different way to highlight that, right? And, you know, this is a lot better because it's an example that is tangible. And it's it's an example that we're looking for as as a recruiter or as an HR person or like hiring managers would look for that as well. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, don't say... Like to, to Jimmy's point, like don't don't just say that you have this these experiences. Like you should highlight how you were able to demonstrate that or what kind of experience mm-hmm. you've had previously. So and that applies for just about anything as well. Like mm-hmm. like just like the 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 botched joke that I had in the very beginning of listing attention to detail. Mm-hmm. Instead of doing that, just try to make sure that you don't have any you know punctuation or grammatical errors on your resume, right? So that obviously goes without saying, but still still needs to be said it's funny because like my my buddy ryan had tried to apply for one of our positions actually i referred him to to my previous organization and i and i told him hey before you send or apply for this role like send me your resume let me take a look let me see if there's anything that i can you know suggest right and then i i can't remember if he did put something along the lines of attention detail i don't think he did but i just remember like within the first like four seconds of glancing at his resume i immediately found like a small tiny error and i was like i said it back right away i was like dude like i spotted this in like four seconds like <laughs> you gotta do better yeah. so i mean that's that's a very easy piece of advice but you know still needs to be said mm-hmm. uh, was that yours that was yours right well i mean you talked about grammar <laughs> yeah i, I talked so. about strong leadership skills being annoying. Oh, yeah. Well, mine was more of adding to the point. I guess uh, another one that I have specifically about resumes would be trying to avoid looking like a fake resume. And this is something that we need to elaborate on because... That doesn't make any sense to people, though. Like, that's what you're I mean, not that's looking at resumes every day. That's that's what I mean. So, like, let me, let me kind of backtrack here and explain what I mean. So, as agency or any recruiters in that matter you'd be surprised how many fake resumes we would receive and by fake i mean people who hired a company to create their resume to hit as many keywords as possible in like recruiter searches we call it boolean searches and you know by hitting all these keywords it grants you a lot more visibility in all the job boards whether it's an application like indeed monster whatever it may be so it's as an agency recruiter or like any recruiter we're, we're trained to see which ones look like a fake resume or at least suspect which ones are a fake resume and these are usually done with a lot of words like very wordy resumes bolding a letter like having a word or a keyword in bold, like multiple times, I guess, throughout yeah. the resume. You know what? One to be fair, like that format of resume is actually really good. Like if things, if it was a real resume, it would actually be a really good resume. Yeah. The However, problem, 
Yeah, as you're about to say, I think. Yeah, the problem is that because so many of them are fake, whenever I see that format, I just close it. I don't even bother looking at it. <laughs> well, I would give the benefit of the doubt just to, to like look at it still. But then there are lots of times where it's, within... No, the... okay. So that's something that I want to explain. I've told my friend, a friend of mine recently is that it's not worth my time to give it the benefit of the doubt. Mm, like it's faster for me to just move on to the next one. Like, yes, you, it might be real, but like for me to like figure out if it's real or not and having to give you a call to figure out if you're real, that's too much time. So I rather just be like, okay, I'm sorry. You might be real, but I'm going to skip this and go on to the next one. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Especially as an agency recruiter. Like I, I don't think people realize out there that being an agency recruiter, it's still a sales driven environment. So like, you know, when it comes to hiring people and, and all that, like that adds to our commission, like our spread. And, you know, if, if it is a waste of time, then that's potentially like a commission that you could be getting elsewhere. Right. So, right. Like, you know, a, a lot of the times agency recruiters are operate a little bit differently compared to an HR recruiter. So if I guess for myself, like I don't have that commission aspect of my job anymore. I mean, I had bonuses previously, but it's not the same as a, uh, as a sales commission, for example. But let's so say like, like if you, let's say you get like a bunch of resumes, like hundreds of resumes in the ATS and that you have to just go through to find the right person. Like, are you still going to like go through these fake looking resumes? Yeah, I guess it's a good point. I mean, it, it does depend on the volume, right? I mean, I guess as an internal recruiter, we get a lot more applicants and a, and a little bit less sourcing unless it's a tough role. I guess it obviously depends from role to role and, and company to company. But yeah, I mean, if you get t tons and dozens of resumes, for example, that yeah, I would treat it the way that you would, which is basically like, it's not worth my time. But usually, I guess in, in my day-to-day, -day, a lot of the applicants that we receive do merits a second look and i feel like there's less fake resumes in an actual internal environment versus one for so. you yeah i think so i mean i think i've only seen two fake resumes in my or maybe not two maybe more than that maybe like a dozen do guys, fake resumes do you guys post jobs on like job boards and stuff like that we do i mean my previous company we definitely did and mind you in my previous company we were north america wide and Later on, we ventured off into the European market as well. And even so, like I would get maybe like one fake resume a month at most. That's that's at most. I wonder why. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, to Jimmy's point, yeah, the bolding of the keywords would have been really good practice for a real resume. But I feel like now it's uh, it's stigmatized as, as a fake resume for most of the time. Um, but other things that you could probably avoid, which I think is not pretty common for resumes anyways, would be like, having tables of like the stuff that you've done like the like for example like if you're in the software development field and you are you know listing out all the languages and frameworks and technologies that you're used to I feel like tables are no longer a good option for that anymore mm. because that's usually pretty common with fake resumes right i think the fake resume thing isn't too much of an issue for a real person because most of them yeah. don't even know what that looks like anyways yeah but i think yeah it's true like having those keywords in there is definitely important. But like to latch on, well, kind of to latch on to that point. One of the things that I noticed is a lot of people are trying to make their resumes look really fancy, blah, blah, blah which is fine. But mm -hmm. it's also important to make sure their formatting is not too complicated so that when you submit your resume into a automated system, the system usually parses the resume, so it automatically mm -hmm. tries to find your name, tries to find your company, your title, your phone number. When you have a resume that's too complicated, these resumes don't parse properly, 
So if you're using an ATS, an applicant tracking system, and you're trying to find these resumes, if your resumes aren't parsed properly, then it makes it harder for people to even find it. Yeah, it's it's a good point. Like, uh, make sure that your resumes are readable, and in terms of like you know parsing parsing resumes, a lot of the times I would see design resumes have like try to be like as beautiful as possible and as unique as possible, right? So I'm talking about like graphic designers or UI UX designers and stuff like that. So um, I would recommend having a fancy one as an attachment to your resume, maybe as a portfolio or something mm-hmm. else, but then still kind of have a traditional formatted resume, which will highlight the keywords and all that, right? Yeah. I think it's a little bit different if, if somebody's already found you or spoken to you or you're applying directly to a job board, for example. Or yeah, I guess in those cases, you know, your profile is already like visible in most cases, right? Yeah, uh, but I think like, I thought about this before because we work with like a, pretty big gaming client and a lot of times when we're looking at designers and their resumes they like to make it super fancy and stuff but Mm -hmm. like i don't think it's ever crossed my mind to think like oh this person's resume looks fancy he he or she must be good you know like i'm still looking for experience and then i look at your portfolio to see if you're good so i don't really see the point of having a super fancy cool resume yeah well keep in mind that you know the part of the recruiter's job is to just like find like the correct people, screen them and all that kind of stuff. But I think when it comes to having a unique and fancy resume, especially when it comes to design-esque positions or roles or, or profiles, I think it's more tailored to the hiring managers more than anything. Like, oh, I like this. I like this style. I can, we can apply that for our um, game, for example, right? Mm-hmm. And stuff like that. But I guess to... Uh, yeah, to... I mean, I get that. But I also don't see a... Mat- well, I mean, I'm not a manager. I'm just assuming... Like, I don't see a manager looking at a resume and being like, oh, the fire on this resume looks just like the fire <laughs> that we want in the game. So therefore, I'm going to interview you. Like, I, I just don't see that happening. I guess so. I mean, I guess it really just depends on, on the hiring manager and the role and the company and stuff like that. So, but I guess to make it a much more generalized piece of advice from our point of views, keep the resume in, in a traditional format. It will do you a lot more good when it comes to recruiters and visibility purposes. If you do want to showcase your design work and your, I guess, like the unique expertise that you may have, I'd recommend having a portfolio as a link, for example, to that yeah. resume, right? That's that's very important. And that's much better, in my opinion. Did you have anything else about resumes or should we maybe move on to interviews, for example? Mm, no, that's it for resumes. Awesome. Actually, one thing I will say about resumes as a side note, I always hear that people are always trying to squeeze everything in one page. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of one page resumes do look great, but never do it when you are omitting a lot of information that may be relevant. I'd rather have Mm -hmm. two pages that are detailed, especially relevant to the role that you're applying for and all that, as opposed to a very, you know, compressed one page resume that's not going to be very detailed. And I know that some people would, you know, use LinkedIn as the more detailed version and then have the one-page resume to get that initial visibility. Mm-hmm. But that might not always work with every single recruiter or not every single um, company, right? They might look at your resume and say, well, I mean, I don't really know if this person has this experience. I'm going to pass on this person, right? I Obviously, don't, don't make the resume too long either. I think the wordier, the worst. But at the same time, if you're trying to condense it to just one page, don't have it be more of a quality issue as well because of that. So... 
that's it. And do you kind of agree with that or? Yeah. I mean, I always tell people like, I don't care how long the resume is because at the end of the day, I'm just controlling F anyways. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's a little bit different if it's in the eyes of a recruiter or an agency recruiter versus internal or hiring manager. So I guess a bigger point to all of this is candidates or people that are applying to jobs have to realize that there are different types of eyes that will be seeing your resume, right? Mm, that's why it's good true. to tailor it. You know, it's not a one size fit all. Too long could be bad for one person, whereas too short could be worse for Actually, another person. That's right? a very good point because for me, I don't care how long it is because I'm going to control F and try to find the things I want to look for. But when I do submit someone to a client, we then reformat your resume so that it's actually more catered to the client as opposed to just your super wordy resume that I just controlled F. So Exactly. Yeah. So and kind of works both ways. Oh, yeah. It's it's never a bad idea to have multiple versions of your general application resume, one that is wordy and and one that, is, that isn't so much, right? Because the really wordy ones are pretty useful for us agency recruiters. I mean, back when I used to work as an agency recruiter, the wordier the resume, the more I have to work with in terms of like what I can ask this candidate or what I can use when I'm submitting this profile to the end client, for example, right? But then when we do want to submit that resume to the actual end client, we would prefer a condensed version. And I've worked with a lot of candidates who've done that where they've had two versions. Like, do you want the wordier one or do you want the more condensed one, right? And again, it goes back to the original point that you, met, you made about tailoring your resume according to what's relevant to this, this position that you're applying for, right? So not just to go around in circles to that same point, but... Again, like resumes are very, very important. So make sure that you are tackling that strategically and accordingly. So the last part of this episode, we'll be talking about interview do and don'ts. And this one is also very interesting because, you know, interviewing with an agency recruiter is a little bit different from interviewing with an internal recruiter like myself, right? As well as like interviewing with hiring managers, directors, and stuff like that. So we'll try to keep it a little bit general in terms of like the do's and don'ts for a regular interview as opposed to, you know, situational interviews. So this is more, it might be common sense to, to, to some people, but, you know, as a recruiter, I think it would be good to pinpoint them, even if it's sounds like common sense. Do you have anything for interviews, Jimmy, or do you want me to kind of start so you can think of something? <laughs> mm, you can start. I need to figure out where my interview stuff are. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I'm sure you'll come up with some as soon as you hear like one example. So one piece of advice I would say, and again, this might sound like common sense, but I would say try to ask questions in every single step. And, you know, obviously don't you know, force yourself to ask a question. But I guess in my situation, every time I've interviewed for another company, for example, I would always try to ask at least one or two questions in every single stage because there is going to be information that would be useful in preparing for your next step, for example, right? So one question that I like to ask would be asking for advice about next steps, as I mentioned. So like, for example, if I had a call with HR and they asked me if I have any questions in the, in the end of the call, I would say, hey, like, do you have any advice as to how I can pre better prepare for my next interview with John Doe, for example. I, I want to know how John is like, like, you know, what does he normally reject candidates for? And, you know, stuff like that. It doesn't have to be that specific, for example. But I always ask that in my first calls, because one thing that people should realize and remember is that everybody working in that company, especially if it's an internal person, has interviewed for the same company at some point, right? And was successful at landing that job. So they are the best people to ask for advice when it comes to, you know, how do the interviews go? What did you do to prepare? And what advice can you give me so that I don't you know, botch it down the line, right? So that's that's something that I would say. Especially now as an, as an HR recruiter, it's definitely something that I feel like is pretty valuable more than anything. Right. 
Yeah. Did you yeah. come up with anything, Jim Bob? I don't know if this is applicable to everyone, but one red flag for me a lot of times when I'm interviewing people is someone who can't stop talking. Like, mm. I need someone that's going to be able to stop, make a point, stop, and then listen. Mm. I also think that depending on the interviewer, because I'm the type of interviewer that will just let you talk for as long as you want. But if you keep talking, I'm already going to write it off and be like, okay, thank you. And then just, just have it be over. I don't really bother trying to like give you an opportunity to kind of fix yourself because to me, hiring someone that can both express themselves and listen is very important. Mm -hmm. So that's a very big red flag for me in terms of interviews. You know, I think it's very important to just make your point, stop, and then see if they have any anything else to say. Yeah. And I do I definitely do agree with that because in my previous organization, we would specifically reject people who are not concise with their answers. And especially when it comes to like interviews with our, you know, C suite. Um, members of the team, the executive members of our organization. You know, these are the guys or the people who have like very little time in most cases. Like getting in their calendars are pretty pretty difficult to begin with, and then people who ramble on and all that kind of stuff. Like that is something that they would consider to be a huge red flag, as as Jimmy mm-hmm. mentioned. Uh, Jimmy mm-hmm. mentioned. Um, so I'm a little bit more lenient when it comes to that because I used to be like that. Like I used to, and something in some cases I still do. I play my audience. I make sure that you know if I'm going on too long of a tangent, I would stop myself. But if I feel like I'm vibing very well, I you know wouldn't hold myself back either in cases. But the best piece of advice would be yeah, try to keep it as concise as possible. I think oh, the most important thing is to answer the question. I think yeah. a lot of people, the issue is that they don't like listen for the question properly, so they don't give the right, answer. Right. I think it's very important for you to un- listen for the question, understand it, and then give your response to the question immediately, and then right. you can elaborate. A lot of people like to listen to the question and then try to respond right away, or even like respond while the question is still being asked. Mm. And so... All of those things just like annoy the interviewer <laughs> at one point because you're just like, well, I, I didn't get the answer that I was looking for. Yeah, it's a good point. Being very clear about your answer is may also sound like common sense, but you know, you might even get lost and forget what the question was to begin with, or or don't even realize that you didn't even answer the question at all or mm-hmm. more fully, right? So. That's a really good point. I always tell my candidates that when I was, or whenever I would prepare them for the later stage interviews, for example, or or just any interview with a hiring manager, I would say, hey, look, be detailed, but be concise about it as well, right? You know, people would all often think that a really long interview might be a good thing because, oh, I really vibe well with a hiring manager. But <laughs> in some cases, they may be, they may just be like, oh, this this person would not shut up. I um, feel like your advice this whole time has been like, do this, but don't do it too much. Yeah, pretty much. I am a little bit more uh, lenient when it comes to this as an HR recruiter now. It's it's a little bit different. I kind of think of myself as more of a sports agent, being like the liaison between getting you the best possible offer as a, for, as a candidate, but also just like the best case scenario between all parties, right? Okay. I don't really have too much other ones for interviews other than doing research. Research is king. That, again, sounds like common sense, but... Don't just research for like the role or the company or the the products that you're that this company that you're applying for has, but also research like 
the people who work at this company or the people who are interviewing you, right? It's always good to figure out who you'll be speaking to, the, the previous companies that they'd worked for, how long they've been they've been working there for. Because if you're able to kind of like, you know, segue at, segue that into the actual interview process itself. You know, th- that's a tactic that I would do. I would say stuff like, oh, I noticed that you had worked for Microsoft for five years before joining this company. Like, how, how did you feel about the transition, right? It shows that I've done my research or, or I prepared for this interview, for example, right? I didn't just like go in here and ask generic questions or not know who the heck I'm going to talk to. So that's a piece of advice that I've, I've told like, you know, a couple of my friends as well. Like, say those kinds of hints that you went through your profile. Like, another one that I did with uh, with my previous CTO was, I remember she had been interviewed for a couple of articles, right? And then I think I mentioned that, like, in the interview. I was like, oh, I noticed that in an interview that you did with so-and-so that you had mentioned something about what you want for this company to, to do next. Is that still what you're wanting to do now that you've been there for two or three years, right? So that's just, like, something that I do personally and i guess more importantly the bigger piece of advice is just do your research about who you're going to be meeting with that's it goes a long way for sure yeah and i think that's it for me do you have any last ones to cap us off well the advice that i always give my candidates is they're not just interviewing you it's also a chance for you to interview the company right i feel like it's very important to acknowledge that mm-hmm. because at the end of the day yes you're applying for the job but you're also trying to make sure that this is a company that you want to work for. And so with that, I think it's very important for people to just be themselves. I think a lot of times people put up like an interview persona, but then like, do you really want to work for a company where you have to put up that persona the entire time? Because they're going to hire you based on that. So you need to be yourself. I mean, not like your super casual self, but like, (laughs) yeah, you need to be yourself enough that like when they hire you, they're hiring someone that wants to be there and that you could be yourself there. For sure, yeah. And that's a really good point, actually. Like, I, I think that I interview really well because I guess like it's something that I'm pretty comfortable with. And also as a recruiter, I think we see the ins and outs that, that other people wouldn't normally see, right? So I guess we kind of know the psychological things to do and, and, and don't, right? Uh, but one constructive criticism that I did receive, like me as a candidate interviewing, is that sometimes my answers come across as salesy. And what I mean by salesy is that even though I'm being myself, I'm being a little bit strategic with my responses. Like I'm mm-hmm. thinking to myself, like, oh, I wonder why they are asking this question. And then I would think to myself, okay, I feel like this is what they would like to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it's a good idea to not fabricate any kind of responses just because you know what they're, they're looking to hear. But I feel like because I know that, I would try to come up with the most perfect response, but also mm-hmm. keeping it relevant to what I've done. And even though like I did really well in that entire interview. I ended up getting the job. One person had commented that my responses came across as too salesy, as opposed to another person who had interviewed came across as very, very genuine, even though that person had like maybe less experience than me. You know, some people might be more attracted to a candidate, so to speak, when it comes to how genuine they are and how they were able to be themselves during the interview, right? So that's obviously pretty hard to give us advice like, oh, like try not to be too robotic or try not to sound right. Like unnatural. I feel like that's kind of defeating the purpose. It's kind of like well, an oxymoronic I, thing. I just think like to your point, it's just like, do you really want to, how do you say this? Do you really want to give the answer that they're looking for? Or do you want to give the answer that you would just give yourself? 
Yeah, I mean, I guess the happy medium is doing both, right? I guess, if it's applicable. Mm. I I mean, yeah, I guess it depends on the job. I'm just like, personally, though, like, I don't want to interview for a role where I have to memorize the right answers or like, I mean, obviously, if you have like company policy and like Amazon has their whatever three pillars of crap. And so (laughs) (laughs) that you have to memorize. But like, other than that, I just feel like it's, at least for me, it's super important that like, I can just give my answer and hope that they're going to be happy with it. Yeah. And honestly, like between the two tactics, which is like, I guess mine and yours, you know, as much as I've been pretty successful with my interview wing style as a candidate, you know, I could have very easily been rejected if more than one person had thought the exact same thing about my Mm -hmm. salesy responses, right? I think between the two, it is better to be yourself and just hope, I wouldn't say just hope for the best, but at the same time, like being yourself is never a risk unless you're a piece of shit. <laughs> oh my uh, God, oh, that's so funny. I literally wrote here, wait, what did I write? Oh, okay. I said, be yourself when interviewing. You want to be able to be yourself at work unless you're a shit person. <laughs> that, <laughs> but they will wow. see that anyways. That <laughs> so, was... That is oddly almost verbatim. I mean, like, yeah, <laughs> that's that that's perfect, actually. I mean, that, that that is a good point. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, if you're listening to this and you are a piece of shit, then you might want to be a little bit more like me <laughs> in terms of like being more strategic as opposed to being yourself. Again, the best thing to do is to be a little bit of both. Obviously, understanding what a good answer is and what they may be looking for is always good to know that. But more importantly, it's good to be honest with your responses and trying to uh, embellish answers as little as possible. People would usually embellish some of their answers and it's okay to a certain extent, but just make sure that it's not to the point where you are completely dishonest or out of your element, for example, right? So yeah, just don't be a piece of shit, I guess, would be the best the best overall <laughs> That's advice. That's the best advice. It all. Yeah. <laughs> Just don't be bad. Don't be bad. And that's, I think, most of it. Any last minute ones that we wanted to add before we we can wrap up? No, I think if we're just talking about interviews and everything, that's pretty much it. Well, well, you asked me about some pet peeves, and I just want to say that if on your LinkedIn, you say that you are an enthusiast of something or a guru of something or just can't stop learning, take that out. Can't stop learning. fuck. He's like, like oh, why are people can't stop learning? Yeah, like why? Are... <laughs> why are people like this? <laughs> <laughs> that made me look at my own profile, and I was like, okay, mine's not too bad. I put amateur podcaster, and you know what? That's the worst thing I put in there, and it's that's not even but on your LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah, I did. Really? Yeah, it's something. Okay. I mean, don't you have something similar too? No, I have it on my social media stuff because, oh, like, okay. that's different on your LinkedIn. Well, however, well, one thing I will point out is I did a very good job, you know keeping my work life separate from like my podcasting because even though this episode in particular is one that you know I wouldn't mind sharing to my professional network I still wouldn't by the way yeah. uh, just because it's tied to like all the other <laughs> non PC episodes yeah. that we've done but I I've, I've tried to do a good job of not having my full name be part of that one thing I will point out is this is a good time to do it while we're while we're on air recording this you still need to remove my last name from your stupid website because it's still there it's not uh, it is because I had my, my old colleague when I left my, my old company. So shout out to Carlos. Oh, he was actually the placement of your colleague. Anyways, um, oh. <laughs> yeah, that person. He saw that I put like something about like my podcast. So he just Googled my full name and podcasting. And then all of a sudden, 
he's like, oh, I found it. It's on this like Jimmy's website kind of thing. So, <laughs> so it's still there, uh, Wait, by the way. No, really? It is. Okay, I have to double check later. But like, oh, I've, have... I've removed it when you told me. I remember you did remove it, but then there's another one that you missed that's still there. And you can check it as soon as we're done recording so we can okay. uh, validate that. Well, this oh, information the... is unvalidated. So. Yes. And also... <laughs> I was rewatching Better Call Saul, and there was an episode, an early episode from season one, where Saul, or I guess his name is Jimmy McGill in that that episode, said the words "unvalidated" because he was he had a ticket that was unvalidated <laughs> that he was trying to give to Mike. <laughs> and then as soon as he said that, I was like, "Oh my God, it's a real word! I want to record this. I want to make that like a sound, uh, sound clip <laughs> for a soundbite for those who think that our name is uh, is made up." Right. But I guess I didn't think of it that way. If you if you're getting a ticket validated and it's not validated yet, it is unvalidated. So boom. Yeah. To all to all the zero haters out there who are complaining about that, because no one has ever complained about it. <laughs> there you go. And I think that's a good time for us to end. For those <laughs> for those who are listening, I hope you had learned a thing or two from this more PC episode. I think we only sweared like a few times, uh, or just a couple times once we started to call people POSs. Um, but for the most part, hopefully you found it useful to hear it from the perspectives of an agency recruiter and a internal recruiter or an ex-agency recruiter as well. So, you know, again, like these are our opinions. We are professionals, but, you know, we wouldn't consider ourselves like experts of experts and of experts. Like we are a little bit more informed than, than some. So for next episode, I don't know what re- we'll be recording. It will be most likely be something I'll think of in the shower and something that Jimmy will not prepare for. <laughs> and, and and we'll write notes like two seconds before the, the recording. But hopefully you had a good time. Any last words there, Jimmy? No, no last words. All right. We, that should have been our last words. Oh, I'll just cut it there. I'm going to edit that. No last words and it just stops. <laughs> All right. Okay. See you guys. Bye. Hello, hello. Thank you for making it to the very end. A couple of FYIs. We recorded this episode about maybe four to five months ago. So no, I did not catch COVID twice. Uh, number two, I did end up recording a video of me trying to quote unquote threaten that brown garden spider in my backyard. But unfortunately, it did not spin around like a Beyblade. It was probably more annoyed, not threatened. Uh, today's episode was edited by yours truly, which is probably why the editing was very, very good, if I may say so myself. Uh, however, do remember that all the opinions stated in this episode are just our own and not reflective of the previous or current organizations that we work for. Uh, however, all the great opinions that you do agree with can be attributed to me, and all the wrong ones can still be blamed on Jimmy, no matter what. Uh, as always, special shout-outs to Manila Killer for composing our custom intro and outro beats. Please tune in to Unvalidate again in two weeks, where we will have a long-awaited sequel to an episode we released back in Season 1. See you then.